0: Before Thee let my cry come me. O oh Lord, true to Thy word Teach me Before thee We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, greetings this lord's day in the name of jesus christ our lord and savior Greetings. god has been very good to us amen, amen. he's given us hope hope in the birth of little william everett who amen. their family's not with us today but little william i was telling luke as i was like it isn't exciting we have a new uh a new person in the world you know not a, not a possibility, but an actual person with a name who has so much potential, right? One day, if we live long enough to see it, William may walk down this aisle and get married. We may get to know him. He, who knows what he'll do in the world? I love all of that. To me, that's exciting, every time God gives us someone new. Now, Christ gives us better hope even than this, right? We're never sure exactly what the future holds for any given person that God even gives us in the world. But the hope that Christ gives is not a hope that is uncertain. Amen? He gives us hope that is more than possibility, more than promise, but it is indeed His promise. He hasn't promised us that we'll all have what we think we have here, but He has promised us salvation in that is a sure thing. This hope cannot and will not disappoint us. It will not fall short or fail. This truth is undeniable. Everybody say, undeniable. Undeniable. Psalm 27, David talks about this undeniable truth of the power of God that takes our focus off of our own weakness which causes us to fear when he says these words in Psalm 27. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, and in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set my feet upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and have mercy upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek ye my face, you know what my heart said? My heart said, Thy face, O Lord, I will seek. Hide not thy face far from me and put not thy servant away in anger, for thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord, He will take me up. Teach me Thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path, because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over under the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, we do not wait on you in vain. We know that when we wait on you, that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lord, I pray today as your people gather together in your house to worship you, Lord, that instead of looking at the frailties of our own lives, oh God, that instead we would look at the greatness of the power of your holiness and your goodness and your steadfastness. Lord, as we come before you seeking forgiveness, we know that forgiveness is in your hands. As we come to you today longing to hear your voice, we know that we will hear it in our ears today. As we come to you hungering and thirsting after you, we know that you will fill us today. Fill us with your Spirit. Speak to us. Change us. That we would be different when we left than we were when we came. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Standing for just a few moments more as I read for you my text from Luke chapter 22 verses 28 through 34. My sermon today is entitled Undeniable. Everybody say undeniable. Undeniable. It is the story of Peter and Pilate. It's very convenient that they both have names that start with the same letter. uh, But there's a little bit more to that story than that. So let me read my text for you today. Uh, Luke 22, starting in verse 28. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as we. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto them, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny. That thou knowest me. Let us pray. Lord, I pray as we go into your word today, Lord, that our hearts and minds and our ears would be open, that we would begin to understand what truly is undeniable, and it's you. Lord, we pray for strength today, Lord, and wisdom change us through this message today. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said it. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Christ, our Lord, is undeniable. He has all the strength that we need. Not just for Himself, but for us too. In our weakness, He is strong when we fail he does not amen when we disappoint he does not you know we sometimes and i have known people maybe you know some people who are plagued with the sin of pride they feel strong they feel able they feel capable they feel righteous but what did we learn in our sermon about temptation recently that he that Think if he stands, take heed, lest he fall. The truth of God's Word is undeniable. Sometimes I think we sort of take coattails with that and and our chest gets puffed up and and we get sort of a bravado that comes uh, into our lives that is ungodly. If our chest puffs up, it should not be because we're strong and we're able And we're something. If our chest puffs up and our head gets held high, it needs to be because Christ is able. Christ is powerful. Christ never fails. Amen? Amen. And sometimes I think we get confused. And we think that it's us. Were you listening to Peter talk? Peter talks like we think, I'm ready. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter if they all leave you. I'm ready to go to prison. I'm ready to die. No one's going to take you, Lord, without they go through me. They'll have to run over me to get to you, Jesus. Wrong. Jesus pours a little water on that fire. Peter. (laughs) Peter, you're going to deny you even know who I am three times before morning. I mean... You know, I, I grew up in, in the Pentecostal church, and there was this crew of people. And I, as I was as I was listening to this text, my mind is making me wish that when they would say certain things to me, I would have brought them to this passage. Have you guys have you guys ever heard about the positive confession people? Don't say you're sick. Don't say. Anything bads ever going to happen to you. Don't say you're ever going to fall or you're ever going to fail. Don't do it. You're speaking defeat into your lives. I should have said, you mean like Jesus did to Peter? You're going to deny that you even knew me 3 times before morning, brother. You should not try to tear me down. I'm living my best life now. Really? We hear the likes of Joe Olstein and these people who go around saying, don't ever say anything negative. No one can bring you down. You're great and you're great. Folks, that's not the message of the church today. Amen? The message of the church today is that Christ is great and that He doesn't disappoint and that hope in Him will never make us ashamed. That's what the message of the Gospel is. Not that it's going to be executed perfectly in our lives and we can stand up straight and be confident that we're going to really show Him how it's done. The truth of God's word is undeniable. What God has said is the beginning and the ending of everything. All other ground is sinking sand. But I think that we forget to put ourselves in that. Like we think, oh, everything the heathen says, that's sinking sand. Everything the world tries to do against me, it's going to fail. But I think we forget to include ourselves in this. Everybody say, I am sinking sand. The Bible says, if you lean on the arm of flesh, be prepared for disappointment because it's going to let you down. And you, in your mind, you may think, well, that means this preacher man and that means this person over here. But I think we forget to add, Thomas, that that's me. I'm going to disappoint me. I'm going to let me down. I'm going to fail. Because there's only one person who... Didn't fail, couldn't fail, won't fail. Amen? And I think that right at the very beginning of the story where Jesus is passing the baton from Himself to Peter and to these other men, I think He needed to remind them that they were failures at their core. Okay? Now this is not a real downer message, okay? It's kind of like, you know... You, 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 when you're bringing the gospel, like by the time you're done, the people are ready to depress. But what do you mean there's no hope? You go, oh yeah, there's hope. It's because we have a Savior, right? right? You're lost. There's nothing you can do. You're, 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 you're desperate. You're completely sinful. There's nothing good in you. And you're like, oh no, it's terrible. Oh no. And then you're like, yeah, that's right. It's so terrible, you need someone to save you. Who could it be? And of course, it's Jesus. But I think that we forget that we need a Savior. We think that once that He has come into our life, that now we are our Savior and the Savior of the whole world, and we forget who He is. What you think, what you feel, how things look to you, what you think will or will not happen in your future, all of these things are uncertain. We are prone to believe our reason and our wisdom over what God's Word has said. God's Word says if this happens, then do this. And we say, oh, but if I do that, then this bad thing will happen. How many have done this? You read the Word of God, and and it's not as though Christina doesn't know what the Bible says. She just goes, but but I can't do that. Because if I do that, then this is going to happen, right? It says, go talk to your sister... Or go talk to me and go, oh yeah, but they won't listen to me and, and, and it's going to turn out bad and we're going to get in a big fight. Or, or trust God with your money and you go, oh yeah, but I don't have enough to live and if I do that then I won't be able to pay my mortgage or I won't be able to feed my family, right? It's what we do. We reason away because of what we see and what we think, what God's Word says will happen. He says, give and it shall be. God, at least give me a chance to get a drink of water. Give and it shall be given unto you, right? Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you will find. And we just go, well, you know, it's like sending your kids to look for something. I don't know where it is, Dad. Seek and you shall find. See, when I tell Benjamin to go to look in the van, I don't really know if it's actually in the van. I'm just hoping that it is. But when God says to seek and you shall find, if you seek, what are you going to do? going to find Stephen that's what's going to happen we let each other down we forget things and I'm I guess I'm preaching a pre-sermon sermon sermon that is going to keep me from my sermon but it's what we do it's what we do until our hearts turn to God without reservation and say this is what God says and no matter what I think about it no matter how certain that I am that God couldn't really mean what he actually says no matter how hard what he seems says We say, you know what, I'm going to obey God. That's what we have to do. When you get to that point, when it doesn't matter what you think, that you just do what He says, you're getting at a good point. When our hearts and minds are turned wholly over to God, our will will always follow His Word. That's what it means to have faith. True Spirit-born faith is when a man comes to live as though the things that seem undeniable to his natural mind are less certain than what God's Word says is true. Okay, now I'm going to say that again, okay? Listen real close. True Spirit-born faith is when you come to live. Everybody say, I come to live. That means what I do with my hands and my feet and what I say and everything I do. When you come to live as though the things that seem to you undeniable to your mind, to your natural mind, they are less certain to you than what God's Word says says you you know in the natural mind the sun is going to come up tomorrow right in the natural mind if i you know if i walk into this uh if, if 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 they put me in the lion's den i'm going to be eaten by lions that's what happens when you go in a lion's den i'm not going in there god okay god they're going to throw me in a fiery furnace and what happens to people when they get put in a fiery furnace You get burned up. And God says, oh, don't be afraid. Just go on in there. Well, I can't do that. Well, faith is when you go, you can put me in the fiery furnace. You can put me in the den of lions. And if I burn, I burn. If I get eaten, I get eaten. But let me tell you one thing, O King. I will not bow down to you. No matter what. My God's able to deliver me. But even if He doesn't, I'm still not going to do it. The truth of God's Word is undeniable. Let God be true, but every man a liar. As it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4. 1 John 3. Hereby we know that we are of the truth, and it shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemneth us not, then we have confidence toward God. Our ladies have been talking about this, right? In their Bible study. Sometimes we get in a situation and are, oh, no, 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 no. And God's word says, yes, 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 yes. And you go, no, 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 no. He says, you know what? If your heart condemns you, God's greater even than your heart. God is greater than our emotions, our fears, our foolishness. They may try to get the best of us, but if we trust what God has said is going to be true, remember, he's even greater than that. Now, here in our text and beyond, we see a picture of this truth that I've been talking about here in the story of Peter's denials and what happens when Jesus also goes before Pilate. As I was reading this, it kind of seemed like two separate things I wanted to handle, but God put them together for one thing. And there's this thing that happens that's so incredible. Peter goes through, and we'll read, he denies the Lord. He denies the Lord. He denies the Lord. How many times? And when we get to Pilate, they bring him before Pilate, and Pilate refuses to deny the Lord. Wonder how many times? One time, three times, two times, three times. And then there's a little icing on the cake he puts on it at the end. So Peter, who's supposed to be the one who knows better, Peter, Pilate didn't walk with Jesus. Pilate didn't see Jesus raise anybody from the dead. Pilate didn't watch Jesus walk across the water or feed 5,000 people, but Peter did. And Peter should have known better. And Peter should have believed. Peter had the information that was absolutely undeniable, but yet, what did he do? He could not face it. He was too scared to admit he knew Jesus. He didn't deny Jesus as the Son of God. He didn't deny him and and recant and say, oh, it was all made up. He wasn't the Messiah. What he denied is that he knew him and that he was with him. He chickened out. He got afraid. What Peter did wasn't blaspheme. What he did was he failed himself. And Jesus said, you're going to do it three times by morning and you need to know, Peter, you're going to do it maybe three times a day after that. And even if you do deny that you know me, and even if you do fail, and even if you do sin, let me tell you what, it's going to be difficult for you to deal with, but you're going to get over it. And when you do, encourage your brothers. That's what Jesus tells him. And Peter's like, "Uh uh-uh, not me. Folks, this is for us. And so then God puts Pilate, a man who didn't see Jesus do any of that, who refuses to find fault in Jesus, doesn't want to crucify Him, and will not deny the truth that Jesus is innocent of His crimes. This is a great literary, biblical picture here. Remember how sure Peter was that the death of Jesus would only bring about bad things? Remember how sure Peter was that even though Jesus did and said all these things to His uh, disciples. Even though He told them they would be offended, what did Peter do? He says, no. Now we miss this, that this is God's Word. You know, Peter's just talking to a guy. Peter had failed to understand who he was talking to. If Jesus said, all of you will be offended, then guess what's going to happen? All of them are going to be offended. I'm going to say this to you, and I don't have to be Jesus to say it. All of you will sin. All of you are going to be offended at one time or another. All of you are going to let yourself down and your brothers and sisters down at some time or another. All of you are going to do that. All of you. And when you do, guess what? You're going to have to get over it. Because you see, our salvation, Paul, doesn't depend on how good we do it. Our salvation doesn't depend on how strong we are. Aren't you glad about that? Derek, I was listening to you read Romans chapter eight, and I literally, I, I wanted to take a run around this church. I mean, people go to Romans nine. Andy is the, the 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 chapter of the predest, you know, the, the, the doctrine of predestination. Chapter eight is a ball bat that goes wham 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 over anybody who thinks anything other than what it's saying. He said, "Do you know what? He's already saved us. Do you know what?" He planned it before the world began. Do you know there is not there's not life, or death, angels, and principalities that are going to change that? Do you know you couldn't change that? Do you know it wasn't about you in the first place? Don't you understand how strong God is? By the end of the chapter, you're like, oh, hallelujah! I mean, th- does this happen to anybody when you hear something like this? I don't know about you, but it does to me. But then again, I had a different upbringing than you. Maybe you, maybe it makes you want to look up, you know, a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. I don't know, but for me. I get pretty excited now mark this those who brag to me on how thick-skinned they are and how they never get offended they're not usually the most tough people but it, it, it should be an indication to us of our own pride we're like you know what everyone in the church they're gonna get upset but not me I'm never gonna do that we work we're always gonna be good and I'm, I'm like, in my mind I'm like I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm almost 50 guys and, and after that, I'm going to be old. I can tell you this right now. I'm going to be the old sage, and I'm going to start looking at people going, oh yeah, you say that, but you're, you're probably the worst one in the whole church. It's going to start happening. You'll see. You'll be like, what has happened to that guy? He's turned old. And, and instead of believing the nonsense we say, he just tells us we're wrong, you know? We never get offended, we're so thick-skinned, uh, we're so strong, you know, we're so holy, we're so, spirit. We're so We've been upholding so, with such strength that we could never get our feelings hurt. Our flesh has a tendency to think that it's stronger than it really is. This is our pride on full display. Jesus said they were going to be offended, and it was a fact. It was not speculation. Jesus said Peter was going to deny Him three times, and that was a fact and not speculation. It wasn't a possibility at that point. It was going to happen. Whether they were offended or denied Him, however, or whatever they did, God would preserve them. They would recover, and God would use them to establish His church. It's kind of like the story of Samson, Steve. Before the man is born, he tells him what he's going to do. And even though he lives like a heathen, like an idiot, like a, a completely disrespectful kid, what does God do with him? He makes him a champion of Israel, regardless of his long-haired, lazy woman running around, rebellious, disrespectful self. God does what? See, I threw long-haired in there like it was bad. That was, He was supposed to have that, Right all that he was God said this is what you're going to be this is what Thomas is what you're going to do he said you know what you are going to glorify me and you go yeah but I really let you down this weekend and God says you know what you're you might glorify me through your failures but you're going to glorify me that's what Samson did Samson God used all these terrible things that Samson was up to to bring glory to God We like to think we're going to bring glory to God because we're going to show people the right way to raise children. We're going to bring glory to God because our kids are going to be the best, the smartest, the brightest, the most. Somehow I'm thinking maybe not. We falter, we give way, but He does not. Jesus was undeniable. Jesus is undeniable. Peter had said, though all men deny thee, I won't. Paul told the Corinthians... In chapter 10 of his first letter to them, in verse 12, he said, He that thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Alright, so let's get back in the text here and let's look at it. Luke 22, 28, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. Now, I think this phrase is so marvelous and it goes with what we've been talking about. That Jesus' time in the garden... It wasn't just that he was scared, but that he was tempted. He was in the press, right? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, which means all of press. He's there on the Mount of Olives. He's being pressed in temptation. He says, You've been with me through my temptations. Jesus did not fail in his temptations. He never does. He can keep us from falling, but even when we do fall, we shall arise. Did you hear Brother Jeff reading from Micah? I love that scripture. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be the light unto me. Can you hear that? See, this bravado isn't in, I'll never fall. I'll never stumble. You'll never see me do this. No, it is, let me tell you, when I fall, I shall arise. The Bible says a righteous man falls down seven times. But he gets back up. This is not about... This is not, these are not Scriptures about determination. This is a Scripture is about predetermination. You fall seven times, but let me tell you, if God says, Brother Paul, you're mine, and you're going to sit on thrones judging Israel, you may feel like bad today, but it isn't going to stand in the way of what Christ has already planned for you. Amen? You've been with me and continued with me in my, my temptations. And then he says these words. Now, guys, come on, stay with me. Stay with me. He says, he says, I appoint unto you. Steve, this will get you excited. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. What a starter. He's about to tell. Peter that he's about to deny him he's about to tell Peter that the devil's after him he's about to tell Peter about his frailties but he starts off by going let me tell you a little something I appoint unto you I appoint I presently do it as my father has appointed unto me I appoint you a kingdom the kingdom is yours you will eat and drink at my table and my kingdom and sit on thrones judging twelve tribes of Israel I mean come on now I like that. I, I don't like the way I used to grow. I used to think growing up. I used to think, I hope I can. man, I wish I could. man, I believe man, if I really work hard, I might be able to. oh Lord, please save me from my I, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to think like that anymore. God's done it already. You see, these words of Jesus are so definite. They're so final. They're so already right now. It's not something that might happen, could happen, or should happen. This is an established fact. Now, I was a little concerned that because I'm a Calvinist that maybe I might be over sort of doing this verse to mean what it maybe didn't mean. And so I had to look in the original language to make sure that, because I'm telling you, I'm still completely terrified of God to get in this pulpit and say the Bible is saying what it isn't saying. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a rabid, red-blooded Calvinist, you know. And so maybe I'm reading a little more into this than, I, than is really there. My presuppositions might be coloring what Jesus said. And so I looked. But what I found here in the language is that our King James Bible is actually not as strong as it could be if it were written in today's language. In today's language, it would be more definite, more established, and less vague. Jesus is saying, I appoint you a kingdom and you will eat and drink at My table and you will judge. 12, the twelve the twelve tribes of Israel, I mean this is unequivocal. I appoint not might appoint, not I could appoint if you have a if you do well, you might have a good chance. No, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed to me, as sure as my father 's kingdom is that he 's appointed me it 's appointed to you i mean elaine isn 't that something else? I mean, was there a chance Jesus' kingdom wasn't going to to work out? I don't think so. He says, just like my Father appointed me a kingdom, I'm appointing you one. Boom. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes. Ye may is better translated, you will. You will. You will eat and drink at my table. You will sit on thrones. These facts are undeniable. Don't you like how Jesus starts off what he's about to say with this undeniable truth? Nothing any man or demon can do to alter these facts. They're undeniable. Next, Jesus says he says something in a way that I know was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down these words. Pay attention. He turns to Peter and he doesn't say, hey, Peter. He doesn't say, hey, Cephas. Hey, Mr. Rock. You know what he says? Simon. And he repeats it just in case he missed it. Simon. Now, if you remember, he had changed his name from Simon, right? And now he was Peter. He's the Rock. He's Cephas, right? This is Peter. And, but he's not calling him that. Simon, Simon. What's he reminding him of? He's reminding him who he is. Some of us don't like to be reminded of who we were but Jesus did oh you're bringing me down you're reminding me that I used to live in sin that I used to be this that I used to be that you know what I think every time we're reminded of that what it should do is fill our hearts with thanksgiving and it should erase the pride that is built up in our flesh that's ungodly and that raises itself above the goodness of God amen he turns to Peter and he says Simon, Simon Mr. Brave Mr. Brave Mr. Sure, Mr. Confident, Mr. Passionate, Mr. I'll never deny you. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. And for those of you who care about theological points, you're wondering what in the world is sifting like wheat and is it separating wheat from chaff? No, no, no. Sifting just means he wants to shake you up. He wants to toss you around. He wants to throw you in the air. And you know what? I'm going to let him. But just so you know, it isn't going to amount to nothing. Now, it's going to amount to something you're not going to like and you're not going to be able to live with and it's going to be difficult for you to handle. But you need a little shaking up. You know sometimes the God allows the devil to shake us up. But not to destroy us because he can't. You can't destroy what God has already established. You can't thwart the plan of God. If God says you belong to Him, then who do you belong to? Right? What was Paul saying? I am persuaded. Neither angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come shall be able to separate us from the love of God. What you should be doing is going, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've been tossed, I've been tempted, I've been thrown, I've been twirled, I've been thrown up, I've been weak, I've let God down a hundred different ways. Oh yeah, but just so you know, I can't lose. It's like playing a video game with unlimited lives. You ever done this? You're like, I'm going to jump over that dragon and kick him in the face and I'm going to jump off to the side and I'm going to throw 80 grenades and then if I die, whatever, I get another chance. I don't know if you've ever done this. I'm sorry to throw this. I don't play video games, but anyway. That's the only thing I can think of it's like. It's undeniable. You're not... If Game over isn't coming for you. And that's the thing that I think that brings us sometimes to despair. Because when we fall and we fail, you, we somehow, we take it too much to heart. Instead of causing us to look at Christ who doesn't fail us, we can, you, can, you can get over it. Because you see, this is what has to happen to Peter. Peter, you're going to fail, but you're going to have to get over it. And when you do, he says, I need you to go encourage your brothers. Why? because they're going to be doing it too. They're running for their lives. They're hiding. It records what Peter did. I believe these denials of Peter were recorded because Jesus predicted them. Okay? But He also said, and all of you are going to do it. It doesn't record all of their faults and failures. Right? But trust me, they did. They went. They hid. Some of them, I believe, must have denied the Lord. Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you. He may shake you to your core that he might toss you into the air of uncertainty. He certainly will do this to you, but Satan will be allowed to shake you up and that's all. Why is that all? Because I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Do you think Jesus' prayers were maybe going to come true? If Jesus prayed for you, Elizabeth, that your faith fail not, do you think it's going to fail anyway because his prayer isn't going to work? We missed this. It sounds like I'm praying for you, brother. I hope it all works out. No, no. no. If Jesus prayed for you that your faith fails not, what's going to happen, Steve? Your faith is going to fail not. Verse 32, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, okay, this is that I've been saying this. When, and when you get over it, all right, he wasn't saying when you get saved, you know, He's saying, when you get turned back around, after you've denied me and and denied that you ever knew me and hid from me and you realize what a weak, pathetic man you are and how much you need me, when you get turned around and realize that I'm strong and that I never fail and that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, and when you figure that out, you need to go and tell your brothers. That's what he tells him to do right here in verse 32. Strengthen your brothers. Folks, when we fail and when we sin, come on guys, what does it do? It zaps you, it makes you feel, what's the point? I mean, my Lord, I've been going to church all these years and I've been serving God and I've been reading the Bible and I did right and I'm trying to guard my heart and guard my eyes and I'm around good things and I still sin, oh. And we get discouraged because we've placed our hope in our own strength and it doesn't belong there. It's going to be hard for Simon Peter, but you need to learn this now. You are not undeniable. You are not all-powerful. You are not able to do all things. I'm able to. And I'm able to raise you up after you fall. I'm able, after you falter, to save you perfectly from your sin. This is what the conversion that he was going to have, and it's what the conversion we need to have today in our own sins and difficulties. There's only one undeniable Savior of the world, and it is Jesus Christ. He never fails. He said unto them, Lord, I'm ready to go to be with thee into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that you know me. So number one, what is undeniable? One of the undeniable things is that you will fail. It's undeniable. You will disappoint, you will sin, you will fall short in many ways because you are weak. John 18 says Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus because this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. Peter had to wait outside the other door the other disciple who was known to the high priest came back and he spoke to the girl on duty who brought Peter in and she said are you one of his disciples? you are aren't you? and he said I am not! number one denial Simon Peter stood warming himself he's, he's now he's, no, he's, deni- he's denied even knowing God and now he's warming himself he's giving comfort to his flesh having a hard time even with his own denial Someone says, aren't you one of his disciples? And he goes, I am not. One of the high priest servants, a relative of the man whose ear he had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with Jesus? And again, Peter says what? Nope. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. Let me tell you something that's undeniable. Your faith will not fail. The God who saved you is able to keep you, and He will. You may be in a situation where you think, I've gone too far, I've messed up too much, there's no coming back, there's no repentance, there's no fixing of this, and that's not true. Your faith will not fail. You may fall, but you will arise. You may be knocked down, but you're never going out. You may be tried, but you will come out even pure, better, stronger. As Jesus told the disciples, I have appointed you a kingdom, as my Father appointed, and I will appoint you one, as my Father hath appointed me, that you may eat and drink at my table. Jesus told Peter he would deny him, but he would recover from it, he would repent from it, he would raise himself above it. Jesus told him all of these things. Verse 3, Jesus will not fail. He is Lord, he was and is the King of creation. King of kings, Lord of lords. We don't have time to go into it or even look into it a lot. Or, but it was amazing to me. You can read in John 18 and 19 verse after verse after verse of Jesus' confrontation with Pilate, an unbeliever, a man who didn't know any better. We read in John 18.38, they bring Jesus. He said, what are you bringing this man for? He examines Jesus in John 18.38. Pilate says, I find no fault in Him. That's undeniable, right? Was there any fault in Jesus? Had He ever sinned? Had He ever done anything wrong? Nope. Pilate was confessing the truth while Peter was lying. John 19.4, Pilate says it again. They keep bringing him. What's wrong? Why do you want to kill this guy? He hasn't done anything wrong. I find no fault with him, John 19.4. John 19.6, he says, they bring him again. We want to kill him. We want you to crucify him. We want you to do away with him. He's like, I find no fault with this man. Three times, Pilate refuses to deny him. And then to put a little icing on the cake. John 19, as Jesus was being taken away to be crucified. John 19:19, 19, 19, Pilate wrote a title and he put it on the cross. The writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This title read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was near to the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. How many times, guys? One, two, three. Three times. And the chief priests and the Jews came to Pilate. Don't write this. Do not write this, they said in verse 21. Do not write the king of the Jews. You should write, he said he was the king of the Jews. And you know what Pilate said, Steve? I've written what I've written. Pilate says, I find no fault with this man. I find no fault with this man. I find no fault with this man. Jesus, the King of the Jews. That's who He said He was. That's who I say He is. And that's what it's written three times on the writing above His head. You know, now when I see those pictures, I'm going to see something a little different. I know they mocked him. I know they made fun of him. I know they did. But in the midst of it all, there was a positive confession of an undeniable truth stamped three times above his head by a man who refused to change it. Jesus, the King of the Jews. Jesus, the King of the Jews. And for Peter, I bet as he looked at it himself, which he could read these languages, he saw what he knew was true himself. And it wasn't him that was true, but it was Christ. Amen? All the gospel accounts of this story, Jesus tells them that they all will be offended. We will all have our faithless days, people of God. Do not despair. I'm going closed. from Romans chapter 8. I've quoted it. We've read it. I could read the whole chapter again. Derek, we could have Derek come up and read it again and I could run around the church, right? I am persuaded. Are you guys persuaded today? We sort of need to be re persuaded, it seems like, whenever we're doing bad, whenever we've been messed up, whenever we get discouraged. It's kind of like we need to be re persuaded. So let's be persuaded today. I am persuaded. Say, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature creature. shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why would anybody make such a list? Because we need it. Because we have a list longer than three of the mistakes we've made. Amen? When you do wrong, say, I'm persuaded neither angels. Then you do wrong again, I'm persuaded neither principalities. We do wrong again, I'm persuaded neither powers. We do wrong again, I'm persuaded neither height. I mean, he he lays out the whole world and everything in it. All the dimensions and all the people. And then just in case, he says, in every creature. It's undeniable. Let God be true and every man a liar. Let us today not... Uh, find ourselves having confidence in our flesh, but our confidence in the one true, undeniable man that sent, God sent to be our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we say thanks be to God? He's undeniable. Be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this powerful lesson that you gave Peter that day, that you're giving us again today. And Lord, may we be reminded, even in this prayer, I hope that we're reminded how that you called Peter and you said, do you love me? And he said, yes. And then you asked him again. He was frustrated. He didn't understand you were trying to get to three. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? You were giving him the opportunity three times to, to confess his love to repent, to turn. And as he turned, he indeed indeed did encourage his brothers. May we, as we turn from confidence in our own flesh to confidence in you, may we turn and may may we encourage our brothers and sisters around us that you are the only undeniable one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.